0: I have to say that um, I think, or it's my impression, that when the world considers some sort of a resource that can provide value, those in the world often do so selfishly. You know, what can this book do for me? can be a self-centered question, right? What can this book do for me? The real question might be, from those asking it in the world, will this book help me to satisfy the desires that I have? We we would even say from a theological standpoint that the the desires of my flesh. Will it help me to get what I want? Well, this is not the question we'll be asking tonight about the scriptures. Um, Believers, those who have a total commitment to Christ, want to know something else. How can the Bible help me to be what God wants me to be? It's a different question. What does God want? And can I make what God wants what I want? When the Bible is working in us, I think this is why we ask the question in that way. Because when the Bible is working in us, we are not comfortable and we can uh, decide at that moment that this is perhaps not what we want to be happening when the Bible is working in us. So that's why we need to know what God wants and how we can make what God wants what we want. Because the Bible sometimes tells us what we don't want to hear. sometimes makes demands that are hard. It reveals weakness, and it reveals rebellion in the reader, in the studier of the text. It cuts, and it evaluates, and it passes judgment. And in it, we often find ourselves lacking And sometimes at that point, when we find ourselves lacking, we're left with a choice. Do we learn and do we obey, or do we ignore and turn away? Well, let's make no mistake, all right? Because I I know that I've said that the Bible makes us uncomfortable, and it, it presents us with some difficult things but I want us not to be confused. There's immeasurable comfort in God's word as well. There's encouragement and strengthening that comes from it. There's no doubt about that. But if we're talking about what it can do for us, then change and alteration and transformation are going to be key words. Because there's something that Jesus told us and that we addressed in our first lesson, and that is that he is using this truth that we find in Scripture to set us apart for his exclusive use. And so there's changing in that. It's just the way it will be. Sometimes we call this change Christian growth. And that's why the, uh, the title to our lesson tonight, Study and Growth. Where then must we start? I could only think of one passage that I thought was shocking enough to spend some time in tonight. Let's read it. Hebrews chapter 4, just verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is quick and powerful, it means it's alive and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. There's no other books that are described quite in this way, really. I'm sure that somebody hasn't said to you before, I'd like to recommend this book to you that's written by this human author that you can pick up down at the bookstore, buy on Amazon, and... and, um, it can discern the thoughts and intents of your heart. In fact, it'll cut like a sword right through you. I mean, it's a pretty shocking thought process that goes into this passage. It's a unique text. In Scripture, we have the Scriptures we're reading from today, we have something. God's Word that's alive, and it's powerful. And its truth can pierce in a way that a sword can pierce armor. That's a pretty graphic description of what the Word of God can do. But, you know, it doesn't just stop at cutting away that armor or cutting through that armor. It pierces through and beyond our physical bodies. It makes its way to the soul and to the spirit, and it lays open the hidden things of the heart and of the mind, and it determines the intentions that are hidden in them, in our heart and in our mind. Now, there's nothing selfish about this. God uses his word to reveal things about us that actually represent reality. While we give ourselves sort of the the benefit of the doubt, we make excuses, we find justifications for ourselves. In scripture, as it says here, we are naked before him. It it lays us open. It reveals things, and it reveals reality. So often we're in our own minds in a world that's not, not quite reality. Not when we go to God's word, when we embrace what God's word has to say. There is nothing that we are that God does not see. And it seems that he has chosen to use his word to reveal what he sees and to make us aware of the deep change that's required. And he acquaints us further with himself in it. And he, by the way, is the only one that can make the change happen. So he reveals what change is needed, and he reveals more of himself the one who can make the change happen. The good news is, in it, we see that we can have victory. This is the great thing, because he shows us this over and over, too. Because in it is the person of Jesus Christ revealed over and over again to us, and and he's the one that's going to make these changes. There's another scripture that might actually be helpful here in just talking about this, this change in this alteration, this transformation that can happen in a person through his word. James chapter 1, just four verses there. James 1, 22 through 25. It's another familiar one on this topic. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, And not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway, or immediately, forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Whatever the scripture is revealing, God is allowing us to see it. He's using his word to allow us to see it. To begin to know what manner of person we really are. That's why I said it was revealing reality to us. And so we must not simply go about our business with this knowledge because, you know, that's possible. The text tells us it's possible. We must not see what's in his word and whatever is wrong, whatever is ugly or whatever is out of place, just see that and then keep moving on. What the scripture is demanding and what God is demanding of us in our relationship with him, in our continuing fellowship with him, is obedience. Obedience that changes us deeply. Whatever that deep thing that's real, that it has revealed to us, there's steps of obedience that can go about making a change of that, whatever it is. But, you know, this person who looks into the perfect law of liberty is not just a person who takes a passing glance at the Scriptures. Well, I read for a few minutes today. He looks deeply at the Scriptures. I mean, he continues within it. He abides within it. He digs in. He meditates upon He reads and he rereads. And in doing so, this starts an ongoing process of changing him if he's obedient. No one changes that does not acknowledge that change is needed. Now, certainly, the church is here to help. I mean, we have brothers and sisters hopefully, nearby that can offer their knowledge and their experience to us. That's a big help. I mean, we have books. We have some online tools. Some of those we're going to talk about later tonight. We have other things, other resources that can be helpful. And then God provides people really close to us, parents and wives and husbands and other family members, and they're a resource to us as well. We have to go to the Bible ourselves. I mean, I know that. I mean, we talk about this a lot. We talk about how the church is supposed to be a help to us, and how there should be brothers walking beside us that are holding us accountable and, and all these things. Really important stuff, none of which we should discount. But don't just think that, well, that should be happening. If it doesn't happen, well, I'm off the hook. I don't really have to do that much. It's not really the idea that we have it all. I mean, we have to go and look in the mirror and see what manner of man we are. And then we can't ignore it. We have to say, aha, point out whatever that thing is that's out of place or that's wrong and take steps of obedience. Got to go to the Bible ourselves. And we have responsibilities for this digging deep into the scriptures. Because what actually is the case is change is a blessing. It's a blessing. There's a hard part of it at the beginning, but it really becomes, as we look back at it, a blessing to us. Because it draws us closer to God. It shapes our character to be more like him. It alters us in just exactly the way that God wants us to be altered. I mean, this is something that is personalized. Because everybody is quite different. We started um, going around the room and talking about our our, our backgrounds and our families and our experiences and our our differences and the the, uh, places we've gone and the people that we know and the, the advice that we've received and all these things that add up to who we are today, I'm not sure that I could tailor a teaching just exactly right for you to put you on the right path. But here's the great thing. You don't have to rely on me or somebody else. God knows everything. In fact, he laid out this path for you. And so he personalizes this change that is needed for you, and he uses his word to do it. With that being said, there is an alternative. Did you notice the alternative in the text? God could reveal those very same things that he revealed to the obedient person. I mean, he could even provide help from the church. He could... um, Provide family members and others that come alongside and put their arm around you and try to help. And there could be resources at your disposal that are piled to the ceiling. And, you know, we could still walk away and not change in the way that God has for us to change. That could happen for a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, maybe we, we fear or we dislike the deep cut of God's sword, the word of God. And the thoughts and intents that its wounds could reveal might be a little too disturbing for us to want to deal with or want to deal with right now. Maybe we don't even want to look into its mirror. There could be a lot of reasons. Here's what I have to tell you tonight. Disciples must, disciples must look into God's word. For scripture is what God is using to perfect, to complete us. And it's likely, it's not just possible, it's likely that this will be a painful process. But it's not one that can be avoided for any successful disciple. It's not one that can be avoided. Let's go back to Jesus' words just to make sure that we're on the right track. When in John 17, 17, he said, prayed to his Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Use this truth to set them apart. And at that same time he's talking about, Jesus is talking about, himself being set apart. I mean, we're to be set apart in the same way that he was set apart. That's going to be a process. you thought about yourself lately and how far you are from where he was. That's how far he needs to take us to where he is. All of this setting apart is done by truth. It's not done by that which we tell ourselves. It's done by truth. The things which we tell ourselves may or may not be true. It's not going to be done by that which we hope is true. It's not going to be done by that which we wish were true. It's not going to be done certainly by what the world tells us is true. Because we know for certain that isn't true. It's going to be done by truth. And it's going, this truth comes from a God that knows all and sees all and knows you personally. Isn't that a comforting thought? It's not just there are uh, a certain series of dogmas that are set out for you to follow by someone who is setting them out for a whole group of people he doesn't know. He's setting out these truths that he knows will affect you. He'll be with you along the way as you walk with him to embrace this truth and to be obedient to this truth. What what are the sorts of things in God's word that change us? I started to think about that. What, What are the sorts of things that we find in there that alter us. And I found a, a good list in Philippians 4, eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Without God's word, thinking in this way and thinking on these things is quite difficult. I mean, things of the world are rarely true, rarely honest, certainly not just or pure, not of good report, or virtuous. It is in Scripture and in those committed to being changed by Scripture that we see these things. Did you hear that? It's it's in the Scriptures, and it's in those, those others around us, sometimes right in this body, who have been committed to being changed by the Scriptures. That's where you see it. You know, if you've ever known someone and you've thought, I want to pattern myself after that person you see their, their walk with Christ and the, the character traits that Christ has been able to develop in them. And you've thought, I'll pattern myself after that. There's no doubt that they have committed themselves to the truth. They've seen some realities about themselves at some point. Maybe it was before the time that you have known them that they've come to some conclusions about themselves, they've looked in the mirror, they've seen something amiss, and they've decided not to just walk on by, but they've decided to become obedient to Christ. And therefore, what has happened is these things have changed. And now when you see that pattern in them, you've seen what's taken place because of a change that the word of God has no doubt wrought in them. So in order to find these kind of things, we have to be in a place where a deep cut can happen from the word of God. We have to spend some time looking in the mirror. That's what's warranted to get to this place. But if we want what God wants, I mean, if we've spent enough time in God's word to develop similar desires to what God has for us, the Bible can do great things in us. The things that we learn can really transform us. And it's not that they'll just transform us for a short period of time. They will transform us for good. And these things will have eternal benefits. And we will be able to reflect whatever these attributes that have been cultivated by studying God's word, we'll be able to reflect these attributes. They'll be the attributes of Christ in the world. And we'll be fulfilling the mission that God has given us to glorify him. I want to spend some time tonight talking about some hands-on resources, okay? I'm going to spend a whole bunch of time really talking from a biblical perspective of why we need to study the scripture and why it's important and what happens when we do study. But we need to get um, some, some things in our hands that can really help us be successful in this, in our study. And so I want to ask a few questions, okay? What are some reliable tools for the job for studying the Scripture in this way that we're talking about? Where do we find them? How do we put them to work for us? How do we use them? Those questions I'm asking because of a Scripture, because of 2 Timothy 2.15, It says this, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's another way of saying that I just want to read to you. That is, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a worker that does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. I mean, there's going to be some work involved and we're going to need some special tools for the work. Here's the great thing. God has provided a whole bunch of special tools in our language that we can pick up and that we can get started with. Now, even if English is not your first language, if you speak English, you have a treasure trove at your disposal right this minute. A lot of them are, are totally free that you can get for yourself today. I'm just going to start with some basic options first, okay? I'm I'm calling these basic options um, for those of you who just like to pick something up and have it in your hand and be able to open it and leaf through. And uh, that can be really important. The thing I would get, if I were you, is a good study Bible of some sort. Something that has more than just the the text of scripture, but something that has resources in it that you can use that can help you go to other scriptures, that can help you to see um, some things about the, the places you're reading about and the people you're reading about. Something that's in addition to just a copy of the scriptures. So I'd recommend some sort of good study Bible and also a concordance Too many people don't have a concordance, I've noticed, today. But I like to use, I have a particular Bible that I like to use. It's a Thompson Chain reference Bible. I don't know if you can get it at our bookstore. We have a really good bookstore on this island, Faith Bookstore. Faith Gift Shop, I think it's called. They have lots of good stuff there. So if you you like to just pick up the Bible and you like to leaf through it, I use a Thompson chain reference Bible. It's a good study Bible. There are a bunch of others that you can probably find. I don't have the others, but I'm told there's some really good ones today that have been uh, released. I think my Thompson chain reference was last published in the 20s or 30s or 40s or something. But it is a, it is a treasure trove of info. Um, I also use a Strong's Concordance, okay? If you're, if you're looking for one, try to get a Strong's Concordance. If you want to go a little further, if you want to have something just sort of on top of that, um, I also like an Easton's Bible Dictionary. I'm sure they have those at Faith Bookstore. That's really helpful too. So let me tell you what we've got when we're talking about the Strong's Concordance and the Easton's Bible Dictionary, okay? When you're looking at a concordance, you're looking at something that shows you those words that are being used in the text you're looking at. And it can show you the other places in the scripture where those same words or same phrases are used. It can show you how many times it's been used. It gives you a definition for them. And you can begin to uh, just use that tool to go to other passages to look at how that word or phrase is used. And it can give you some insight into that word or that phrase from that passage of Scripture. A dictionary goes a little deeper than that. It's not going to have all of the phrases and all of the words in the Scripture, but it has many of the key phrases. And it gives you many, many more pieces of background on the definition and why the word was translated in the way that it was translated and why it was used in this way and and some of the historical information about it. I mean, it's hard to get a better uh, insight on some of the words or phrases you're looking at in Scripture than with those two things, a a concordance and a Bible dictionary, okay? Now, I want to talk a little bit about some online resources. There's one in particular that I use every single day of the week, and it's just one. I'm not saying it's the only one. It's just the one I happen to use. But it's called the Blue Letter Bible. And the reason I'm such a promoter of the Blue Letter Bible is because you can get it on just about any device you have. Uh, You can get it on Google Play. You can get it in the App Store. get it for iOS or any Android device that you may have. You can get it on your computer. You can just go to blueletterbible.org, I think is what it is. And the same resources that are available to you in the app are available to you on the website. I'd read to you what the Blue Letter Bible is, but let's just put it this way. It's a free resource. that has many, many of the best uh, pieces of information, uh, compilations of information about Scripture that are freely available to you, available to anyone who can get on the web. Now, I, I recommend the app because... There is all these accompanying resources that go with it. And they're just at the touch of your finger. They're right there for you. The first one I use, the first feature of it that is helpful for me, you can apply this to, if you just want to use paper scriptures as well, you want to hold the scriptures in your hands, you can apply this in the same way. But I use the side-by-side Bible feature. So what happens is I have the text I I always read from and I always study from the King James Version on the left. And then I have some other version, whichever one I'm I think is helpful on that particular day, I have right next to it on the right. So I have one on the left and one on the right. And what I will usually do, almost in every circumstance, I will read the verse from the King James Version, and then I will read from some other translation whether it's the New American Standard or the English Standard Version. I also like the old 1902 American Standard Version, which I read from quite often. And I will read the verse there, and then I'll read the verse there, and then I'll I basically just read the verse twice in a row, go back and forth. And what it does is it helps to trigger things in your mind about how a passage of Scripture can be taken can be observed, can be translated, and it's helpful. And it's the first thing I use. If I didn't have any other tools to help me that were right at my fingertips, that's the one I would still use the most often just to get a different view of Scripture. Now, here at Harvest, we have a a study Bible that we have more of now. It's a a King James Version and an easy-to-read version next to each other, and you can go get that. If you talk to me afterwards, I can make sure Cliff can get you one of those. That has the same, essentially the same function. If you didn't have that, you could just get two different Bibles, set them next to each other, read a passage, read the other passage. They're really helpful. The other thing that I use all the time on the Blue Letter Bible, it's probably on other Bible apps as well, but I use this interlinear concordance, okay? It's slightly different than the Strong's concordance in that you can trace, if you're a a Greek student or a Hebrew student, you can trace the passage through Greek and Hebrew or you can do a reverse interlinear study and you can use the English as it's translated into Greek and Hebrew. Whatever the case is, you have this tool at your fingertips right on the website at blueletterbible.org or on the app at Blue Letter Bible that you can tap on and you can find. You can say, here's this phrase. Now, what is it got, exactly does this phrase mean? And it gives you the definition, gives you where it's used elsewhere, gives you what it's translated as elsewhere. Really helpful details that will make you think about the passage. You know one of the things I do all the time? Is I look at the other passages where this phrase or this word is used, And I go to those other passages, and I begin to read through them. And I say, now, what were they saying here? How was it used here? Did it make a difference? Did the context of this passage make a difference to how the word was used? And often that's very much the case, that the context in which the phrase or the word appears makes a real difference as to what the definition is. So that's the first thing. First thing is the side-by-side. The second thing is that interlinear concordance. And then the third thing are those dictionaries. And I'll tell you what it has on these apps that you don't have the benefit of without buying a whole bunch of books. And that is it has, I don't know, seven or eight or nine different options for a Bible dictionary. Some of them are just a quick definition and then all the other references for where you can find that word. And some of them are quite a a lengthy definition. Again, you're not going to see every word there. So if you're looking for every word of the scripture, you're probably going to want to use that concordance because it'll give you every word and how it's defined. The Bible dictionaries are much more selective. They'll show you a phrase that's used, um, uh, that's used quite often, and they'll give you a much lengthier definition for it. Really, really helpful, especially when you get the history of how the word is used really gives you some insight that you didn't have before. And then I'll just tell you the other thing that's really important to me. And this is why a study Bible would be really important. If you get a good study Bible, it will no doubt have a series of cross-references. Now, cross-references are different than what you find in the concordance. What you find in the concordance is that exact same word or phrase used in a different passage. Sometimes the passage isn't anywhere near the topic you're looking at in that scripture. But when you use a series of cross-references, what that does is it shows you other verses around that topic, around that same theme, perhaps it's talking about that same area of the world, talking about that same time period or that same city. Whatever details that are in the passage, often this series of cross-references, and the the one in the Blue Letter Bible is really tremendous because it does a good job of this, it will highlight other passages that are around that same topic. Again, there could be lots of things. It could be just a, a place. It could be someone's story, other references to that story. It could be that person that it references, or it could be that theological topic. And it's really helpful to have that list and that exhaustive list of cross-references. Now, you say to yourself, This seems like a lot of reading, seems like kind of a pain in the neck. No, it won't be a pain in the neck. (laughs) Once you look back and you've put in the work and you look back on it and you say, wow, I've really learned some things. I've really got some insight. I know some things I didn't know before. This references back to something pastor taught about. This references back to a class I had. This references back to something I heard on the radio. And you begin to put these things together, and it begins to enlighten you in a certain way. And You will never look back on it and say, boy, I wasted my time reading through that Bible dictionary definition. I wasted my time looking up all those other verses. You won't do that. But it will be work. It will be work. I don't know what to tell you. It's as simple as that. It will be work. Now, the only other thing I would mention, because I've only got a couple of minutes left, I want to get you out of here at 15 till is commentaries, okay? I put this in sort of a different category than the other ones I mentioned because the other resources are are more or less an academic resource. Sometimes in the definitions, I do find things that are a little bit editorializing once in a while, but more or less, they're an academic resource. When you look at commentaries, they're in a little bit of a different category. Helpful, but in a different category. The thing I like about the Blue Letter Bible app is that they have a, a, a series of reliable orthodox sources. Okay, what I, what I mean by that is is that they can generally be trusted. Now, there's all kinds of caveats that go with that, okay? These are not infallible sources of information. I'm not an infallible in source of source of information. There's no one that you know that's an infallible uh, source of information. So you'll have to still be diligent about what the scripture says. But they are often very helpful. And the reason they're very helpful is because they can give you another man's view on how this passage should be seen. Right? You'll start with your own view. You'll have done the work. You'll have looked up the words you need to look up. You'll have... Cast your eye on the definitions you need to um, review for that passage. You'll have looked at other passages. Hopefully this all happens. And then you'll look at this other resource called a commentary, and you'll see something that someone else thinks about it. And don't take it as an infallible source, but use it as a help and an insight to you to give you some thoughts. There's a bunch of miscellaneous stuff on there, too. Same kind of thing you'd find in the back of your study Bible. There are some maps, and there are some diagrams. There are some timelines. Blue Letter Bible has all of those. I don't use those quite as much, but I can tell you they will fill in gaps in your thought process if you use them. Sometimes you you read a journey someone went on, and you'll think to yourself, I don't know where they're talking about. Sometimes you go back to that um, map, it can help you to understand where the journey was, what city they were going to, how many miles it was, and how long it might have taken them. Use the key on the map. That's very important. If you haven't read a map, use the key on the map to help you understand what is happening in that map. There's lots of other things to talk about. Maybe I'll take these in a little bit... um, uh, more detail later. Here's the one I want you to know. We have amazing resources. Boom. They're right at your hand. I know you've got whatever you've got on here. You've got your, your games or your puzzles or your social media or whatever is on there. If you have to, get rid of some of it. <laughs> let get rid of some of it. Put these resources on. Blue Letter Bible is not a terribly large app. Put these resources on there that will help you. We're talking about something of eternal dividends here. And if I can help you with any of these, I'll do it. I'll help you with any of them that I can. I use these things every day of the week. There's not a week goes by that I don't use these every day. I hope that's helpful. I want to do some more of that as we go on. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together tonight. We have a wealth of things available to us that you've provided to us. And um, without our effort, without our putting in some work, there won't be that much help. But this transformation that you require in us, this alteration daily of our character and our behavior is going to require some of this. It's going to be a great um, a great joy to us later on to look back and see that the effort we have put in is of such tremendous value to us, and not just to us, but to other people who know us and who we have the ability to influence. So help us to put in the effort. Help us to care to put in the effort. In Jesus' name, amen.